This episode is supported by Manscaped. Manscaped have kindly agreed to continue sponsoring the podcast. You can use our promo code GTM to receive 20% off all products and free worldwide shipping. If you've not heard of Manscaped before, they're now the leading company in male grooming. Their products range from face razors to nose trimmers and their famous lawnmower 3.0, which is a product specifically designed for in and around your never regions, so you no longer have to worry about snagging the bag. As a listener of Go In The Match, you get 20% off and free worldwide shipping with our promo code GTM. Head over to www.manscaped.com to have a look at all their range of products to grab yourself an absolute bargain. Welcome back to the Going to Match podcast. Today I'm joined by the Liverpool Echoes, Matt Addison. Matt is a writer for the Liverpool Echo and also one of the hosts of the Blood Red podcast, a dedicated Liverpool FC podcast. Matt, thanks for giving me time today, mate, and coming to the podcast. Yeah, not a problem, mate. It's good to, to jump on. It's nice to speak to people and, and do as much of that sort of thing as you can, isn't it, at the moment? It's uh, you know never going to be a bad thing to, to talk about the football, even though Probably not the best time in the world for, for Liverpool at this moment in time. I think they'll have played once or twice more before this goes out. But uh, yeah, it's uh, never never an issue for, for me to, to talk about football. I need no excuse. So I want you to take us back to your childhood, growing up being a Red. Where were you born and how did your love for Liverpool Football Club begin? Uh, so I was born in, in Winsford, in Cheshire. Um, so not a million miles away from, from Liverpool. Um, always been a, a Liverpool fan growing up. Um, basically, as I think is the case with most people, it was my dad was a Liverpool fan, and it was just an automatic choice. Well, not even a choice to be honest. It was it was just one of those things that, you know, as soon as I showed any interest in in football, it was it was very much on the case of of that. And I think it very much was made a lot easier really by the the first season that I really got into to football and, and started watching it regularly was was 2004-05, which of course, you know, Liverpool winning the Champions League and, and going on that sort of journey. The, the Champions League is is everything to me. I mean, in terms of being a, a Liverpool supporter, obviously everyone wanted to to win the Premier League and, and go down that route. But the thing that, that really, I think, captured, not just in terms of, of Liverpool, but in terms of, of football in general, the thing that that captured my imagination really was was the Champions League, the, the big European nights under the lights, the big, big atmospheres, the big games, the big teams. And that's sort of, of where it started for me. So, yeah, I, I've basically grown up being a Liverpool fan, playing as much football as I could. And it seemed like a, a natural progression, really, for me to, to move into journalism. I'm very, very fortunate to to cover Liverpool and have covered Liverpool for the echo during that period, during, you know, the, the brilliance and and now the opposite of that, I suppose, if you like it at this moment in time. But yeah, it's uh, it's always, always a pleasure. And that's that's how it started, really. So can you remember like, the sort of first game you went to and going to Anfield for the first time and any sort of like stories or match day experiences you can remember going up the stairs and seeing the pitch for the first time? I can't remember the actual moment when it happened. I know exactly which game it was. Um, it was an FA Cup game. I think it must have been um, the, the January one. So what's that? The third round, is it? When the, the Liverpool, yeah. those sorts of standard uh, teams come into it. So it was, uh, it was a game against Portsmouth um, and Liverpool scored within, I think, 60 seconds, 90 seconds. Michael Owen scored for Liverpool. Portsmouth ended up equalising and Liverpool went out in the replay. So it wasn't the, the most brilliant of, of games to, to experience, but... That was that was the first game um, that I went to. I don't remember a great deal of it. I don't know how old I would have been at that particular moment in time. Probably about six, maybe six, seven, um, and that was the, the first um, opportunity. But yeah, every every single time since then, 
Um, it's always been something that I'd look forward to for, for most of, of my childhood that we'd get to maybe three or four games each season just because of, of how difficult it was to get tickets. And, and since then, I've been fortunate now that, well, not now, but in, in normal times, I, I tend to, to go to every home match and, and I've managed to, to build up the, the credits and that, and that sort of thing to, to get in. So, yeah, I don't, I don't remember much about that particular game, but certainly I could pick out a few between, you know, between that point and now, certainly. I was about me and you are obviously of a similar age, so I can like sort of relate to those sort of experiences. And I always remember going to my first game and I think it was in 2006, just after we won in Istanbul, I remember seeing the pitch for the first time and just being like gobsmacked at it, just like the vibrancy of of the green grass is hitting me in the face. And I suppose something I was quite interested in getting your thoughts on, I've already got my sort of opinion in my head about it, is looking back on when you first went, the experience, the whole match day experience at Anfield, then compared to now, obviously we've got the new main stand. But what would you say like is the biggest contrast in the match day experience between then and now? I think for, for me personally, it's probably not changed a massive amount. I think it's always been um, a special place for, for you to go. And it's something that I think, you know, going, as I say, to, to every match these days, I think up until, you know, the, the period when everyone stopped going, it, it was something that, not that you took for granted, but it was something that you sort of, you get used to, which I think is is only a natural thing. I think, you know, what, what we've seen over the past year or so has sort of emphasised the fact that, you know, it's a bit of a cliche, isn't it? But the, the fans is what football is all about. And it's always it's always been like that, I think, for me. It was that was the the sort of side of it. Obviously, I like the football, the tactics, and all the 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 actual things that you can, you know, tangibly get hold of. But for me, it, it's always been about, and it still is always about the, the sort of atmosphere, the build-up to it. It's not necessarily the game itself, is it? It's the the whole sort of going to the match, the people that you go to the match with. It's it's always, you know, as as I've grown up, it, it's always been either me and my dad or my cousins would go and it, it would always sort of be a thing that we did together as a family. And yeah. you know, these days it, it's more difficult for, for all of us to get tickets. Sometimes it, it's me going on my own if I have to. It, it's sometimes, you know, going with a couple of different people. But in terms of the actual experience of, of going to the game and, and that sort of thing, I don't think it's changed a massive amount. I mean, I suppose... <laughs> I suppose now I would pick up on it more, you know, when I was six or seven, you just sort of go and go through the motions and, and don't really think too much about it. But for me, I, I don't think, I don't think it's changed too much, but I'd be interested to, to see if you do. I mean, yeah. W- w- was the reason you, you asked that question because you had something in your, in your mind that, that you thought of? Or? I just think that I think things like um, the boss nights and I think that what the lads are doing at the spine cop and putting more flags on, on the cop now, I always remember going, even, I mean, when I first went to my game, first one, and that's when we just won the Champions League, but you wouldn't see that many flags on the cop then. And I think those sort of things have helped build an atmosphere and they've helped build more of a fan experience and more of a togetherness um, amongst our fan base at the moment to what we used to. And I think what the, some of the, the groups are doing now is is incredible. And like we probably didn't have that back in the day when me and you were first going. Yeah, definitely. You know, I, I completely understand that. Yeah, I think the, the main stand is a big thing as well in terms of mm. the, the way that they've transformed, not just the stadium, but outside the stadium as well. It It's not... It's not everyone's cup of tea, is it? But there's there's certain entertainment things. There's the new store outside. There's 
a whole thing. And I'm sure, you know, the, the club is going to develop that further. I think that that sort of side of it has, has certainly changed, but I suppose that's changed in the time that I've been going regularly. So it's maybe not something that I've, I've noticed. I yeah. tend to, to, to not go as early as, as what I used to. If we were going two or three times a season, we'd probably get there two hours before you'd go in, you'd make the most of it. Whereas, you know, these days I, I might go in 10 minutes before kickoff just because you, you do almost take it for granted that you're going to be there the week afterwards as well. But yeah, no, I, I think in, in that regard, certainly the, the main standards has been a huge, huge positive and a huge benefit for the club, obviously, in loads of ways. But I think I think fans have had that experience changed as well, definitely. So me and you obviously have the same generation sort of Liverpool fans growing up and finally got our wish granted. And uh, quite recently with the lads, obviously ending that 30-year wait of uh, winning the Premier League. Obviously, none of us ever envisaged that we would win it in that way. And um, I want to get your thoughts on how the season panned out in a whole and sort of the incredible journey that they, they did take us on, uh, obviously, throughout the season. Then, obviously, COVID came in. And what, what, was that, what was that season like for you, personally? Yeah, so many, so many good memories, isn't it? It feels like an awfully long time ago now, unfortunately. And I think that the biggest disappointment is that we'd never got to, to celebrate it. I think, for me, it, the, the journey to winning the Premier League started at the beginning of the season before that, in terms of you know, doing the, the whole points total, doing the whole thing of, of proving that Liverpool could be at that level. They obviously then win the Champions League and, and there's the big celebration. They sort of get, get that. And then you think, well, if they can get that, you get a million people on the streets. Um, imagine what it's going to be like for, for the Premier League. And, and that has obviously been taken away from Liverpool. But I think in terms of, of the actual season, the football that we saw was was just a, an incredible level. I mean, we, we sort of see a lot of plaudits for, for Manchester City and what they've done in, in recent times, but Liverpool were, were every bit as, as good as them and without the same resources, without the same spending power, all of those things. I think it, it does mean a, a little bit more in that sense in, in terms of it being Liverpool, but... There's just so many, so many great moments from that season that you can pick out. You think of, of the late wins. I think it was 13 times that, that Liverpool only won by a goal in that season. And it was always, you know, going down to the last minute. It was always, you know, the, the late winners, the, the, the late drama that we saw. But you always felt like it was going to go the way of Liverpool, which I think is, again, the absolute opposite of, of what you sort of think at, at this moment in time. But, uh, but yeah, the, the, there were so many, so many moments. And then, you know, to, to add into all of that drama, you have the, the season being stopped, the, the all the, the nonsense around that of, of should we stop it? Should we, you know, cancel the, the season, forget about it, move on? Interesting that we don't sort of hear those sorts of things anymore now Liverpool have, have won it. But uh, yeah, no, it, it was just a, a roller coaster of emotions. And I think if you, you don't want to say it wasn't like a proper title win because it was and they've ended the, the weight and all of that sort of thing. But for me, it will feel 10 times better even than what it did when you can actually be there. You can see it, you can celebrate it and, and all the rest of it. Yeah, that's kind of why I asked that question, really, because I've come on this podcast with multiple different guests of multiple different clubs. And I always obviously talked about Liverpool winning the league and sort of having that bragging element now, the monkey off the back now, we have done it. But why I asked that question is because I think for me personally, anyways, even though we have won the league and we, we can tick that box, such a hard way of taking it to finally win it. So that even now, obviously, we can't celebrate, we can't do the parade fully that we wanted to do. And 
growing up being a Liverpool fan, we've always had that for our generation of not being able to see us win the league. And it just kind of feels like it's a bit typical. It's quite funny. And I suppose you've got to laugh at it because if you laugh, you'll cry. And if you don't say in there, we finally won the league and the year that we do it is a global pandemic. So like, I suppose emotionally for as a fan, how, how like heartbreaking is that for you? Cause I think it, it is for me personally. Yeah, I think it is. And I think that's what makes the, the last 12 months, I think obviously has been difficult in terms of, you know, taking football out of it, just the, the pandemic, the all the issues and, and the knock-on effects that that's had. But I think that the way that Liverpool have essentially fallen apart so far this season in the Premier League, that's what makes that just that little bit more difficult. I think we, we always hoped that, you know, maybe by Christmas, maybe we could have, have had a parade, maybe, you know, Liverpool would win the league this season and then you could have like a double parade and, and spin it as a positive and go, oh, well, nobody will ever have this again. No one will ever celebrate with with two Premier Leagues. But that's obviously at this stage not going to happen. I think it would be, I know that the club all along have said, you know, when it's safe to do so, we'll do it. But I think if, if Liverpool were to go out with the Champions League, finish eighth in the Premier League and, and have a title parade, I'm not sure it would quite feel the same, to be honest. So I think it's it's been really, really difficult for, for Liverpool fans and probably Liverpool players as well. I think that's probably contributed to what's happened this season. They'd have known that they you know, deserved and, and warranted the same sort of scenes that we'd seen for the Champions League. As I say, I think it would have been you know, 50% more than that, to be honest, in terms of, of the Premier League and, and ending that weight. It's a positive, obviously, Liverpool have won it and you can't take it away from them. But I think it would feel like unfinished business if in the next couple of years, this team as a as a group, obviously, I think there'll be you know, a couple of changes. I think Gini Wijnaldum probably will leave in the summer and that'll be a shame. But you know, as long as the majority of this group can win a, a Premier League when there's fans there, I think that'll that'll be okay. But you know, who knows? You know, is that going to happen? I think it will. I think Liverpool will get back to that level once you you put in the injured players and, and all of the injuries. Once they're back in the team, I think Liverpool and, and Manchester City are, are the two best teams in the country, and I think those two, probably along with Chelsea next season, will, will battle it out for the title. But yeah, it, you're right in the sense that Liverpool have done it, and that's brilliant. And no one can say, "Oh, you've you've never won the league. You've never done this. You know, done that." They have now, but it doesn't quite satisfy that need just yet. Yeah, there's a bit, bit of a bit of taste there, isn't there? Yeah. Some, well, going on from that there, obviously, the time of recording, obviously, Liverpool, we've gone through the six home losses, first time in our history, and obviously, it's a very difficult time for the team at the moment. I think a lot of people are a bit, are a bit sick of hearing of the, not, not an excuse, but the statement that we have got a lot of injuries this season. There's no hiding away from the fact that that is the case. Obviously, no fans in the ground as well. That's the same for every club. I think us as Liverpool fans know that we are such a massive part of the team. And that's that's been such one of our our strengths in the last couple of years under Klopp. And now it's turned into a negative that we obviously can't help the team and be there. And, you know, you're watching the team at the moment. Sometimes you just want to give them, instead of a kick up the arse, you want to just give them a hug and say, thanks for what you've done for us. But, you know, we are struggling at the moment. So... I mean, injuries and no fans aside, do you think there's any other sort of problems or issues that are contributing to the to the poor form at the moment? I think it, it's something that we've we've tried to get to the bottom of all season. I think for me, it starts with injuries, and injuries are 80, 90% of the problem. I think fans are, are a big 
thing as well. Maybe, you know, I don't know, I wouldn't want to put a number on it, but let's say they're a, a much smaller proportion of, of difference. I think there's certain matches where, for example, if you go a goal behind against Everton, for example, the atmosphere, the, the, the whole feel around it is completely different to when there's, there's no fans there. So I think that makes a huge difference. But for me, I just think for Liverpool, the, the injuries, the, the way the season has gone, not that it was predictable, but I think this is a season which suits maybe other teams more than it suits Liverpool in the sense that, you know, you look at Manchester City, you look at the bench that they've got. This is a, a shorter season. I think it's four or five weeks shorter, but with the same number of matches. If that's going to suit anyone, it, it's probably not going to be Liverpool. You look at the strength in depth that, that Manchester City have got. They've got a £300 million bench, you know, every single week. They can change two, three, four players and it, it just doesn't make any difference to the quality of, of their starting eleven. So I think for... For in terms of winning the league, Manchester City this season, as it has transpired, they would probably, in hindsight, the, the favourites to go and do that just because of you know playing a game every three days. Liverpool of playing at the moment, what is it, three games in, in nine days or, or something like that. That's always going to be a difficult thing when you're yeah. working with a smaller squad, you've not got the same resources and weren't maybe able to move on one or two of those squad players last summer because of the pandemic and, and couldn't refresh and, and do things that Liverpool wanted to do in the transfer market. So I think in that sense, you can understand why Manchester City have, have kind of have ran away with it because they've got the greatest squad depth. They can change players and, and it doesn't make any difference. I suppose that doesn't explain, though, the drop from, from Liverpool underneath all of those other clubs. You know, for me, it, for me, it comes down to injuries. It, it's a, a huge part of it. I know Leicester have had a lot of injuries, but Liverpool, I think, have, have had twice as many in terms of the number of days missing uh, through injury by their players, it, it's something like double the, the second on that list, which is Leicester. So Liverpool's injuries, as soon as you start taking out, you know, Van Dijk, even Van Dijk on his own, I think if you put Van Dijk in and, and forgot all about the other injuries, Liverpool probably would get into the top four. But when you take out him, you take out all of the others, all of the sort of COVID issues, you know, Trent Alexander-Arnold had COVID earlier in the season. That affected him. He's then had an injury. We've just not seen the proper Liverpool this season. And I think that there are other factors, fans being one of them. But for me, it does come back to the injuries first and foremost. So as I mentioned at the start of the podcast, you were a writer for the Liverpool Echo and one of the hosts of the Blood Red podcast. And I'm not just saying this because you're on here now, but it is something that obviously I listen to religiously as, as a Liverpool fan. And I really enjoy it. And anyone that any Liverpool fans that are listening, you know, go over to Blood Red and listen because it's some unbelievable content. Just wanted to get touch on your uh, your journey to getting into where you are with both of those roles and how that kind of came about. Yeah, so um, it was basically the the summer that I was going to to go to university. I sort of was having a think, and I thought, you know, up until that point, I had not really considered what I wanted to to do for a career. Not really thought about it done a bit of work experience for an architect's company when I was still at school, did not like it at all. Um, that was, you know, the only thing really that I'd considered having sort of experienced it, decided absolutely this is not for me. I don't want, you know, to, to be doing a nine to five in an office, stuck in doing those sorts of things. It's just not for me. And that summer I was sort of having a think about it and sort of thinking, well, what sort of things do I do? What do I like? What could I sort of move into? And, the obvious thing was to do a bit of writing and that's how it started. Um, it was just, you know, doing a couple of bits for 
for a couple of different websites, primarily doing Liverpool stuff, but trying to keep it as, as broad as possible just to, to open up as many opportunities and, and basically took every opportunity that came my way. I was very lucky to, to do a couple of different bits in terms of having done some written stuff. I was then asked to, to go on different podcasts, for example, or do videos. And basically, I, I, I throughout that summer decided that I was doing a bit of part-time work for a kitchen and didn't particularly enjoy that but it was you know bringing in a bit of money and I just decided to to go all in on on the writing basically and that September I started at university I was studying geography just it was one of those things at the time when I had to pick I didn't know what I wanted to do I thought quite liked it was quite good at it at school wouldn't close off any options um, and as it transpired the, there wasn't too much in terms of, of the content of the course that I had to keep up with, it was fairly minimal in terms of, of lectures and, and stuff that you had to attend. So I was able to, to then do a lot of writing and, and podcasting and setting up YouTube channels and, and all sorts of things alongside that. Yeah. So I basically worked freelance and, and did as much stuff, as much work experience, going into the local paper, going into the Echo, um, doing as, as much stuff as I could throughout that time. Um, and by the time I'd done my three years, a university had built up a, a bit of a, a portfolio from there, went on and, and trained to be a journalist and, and was very fortunate that whilst I was training, um, a job came up at, at the Echo and went for that and, and thankfully got it. So uh, it's been a fast, what is it now, five or so years um, from when I sort of started to, to really take it seriously and, and go all in on it. Um, but yeah, it, it was always one of those things that I always thought, well, even if I don't end up doing this for a career and I don't end up writing and, and getting paid for it, well, it doesn't matter because I enjoy doing it. I like football. I like going to academy matches. That was one of the, the things that I used to do was, was go down and, and just speak to people and, and find stuff out and, you know, write match reports and, and things like that. And you know, there, there wasn't a huge amount of people, you know, reading this stuff. It was just a, a case of, of me trying to, to work out what my niche was and, and the way that I wrote and basically just getting as much experience as possible. And I just thought, well, if nothing comes of it, then so be it. It doesn't matter. I'll have enjoyed it. And, and thankfully it was, uh, it was something that, that led to, to where I am today. Something that I proposed to James Pierce when he came on the podcast and Kiefer as well as also an up and coming writer and a really good one is that, is it quite difficult then? Within that, um, within that area of work to then sort of take your fan hat off and transition into your work and try and take that, that, that bias away. Is that quite difficult or was it difficult at first? And obviously you've become obviously a lot more better at it. Is that quite difficult to, to do? I think for, for me, that sort of side of it came quite naturally, to be honest. It was never something, I mean, you know, even as a fan growing up, I, I wasn't sort of very biased in terms of, you know, if it was going wrong, I'd be prepared to, to criticise it. If it was going right, I'd stick up for, for Liverpool in that regard. But that wasn't ever anything really for me that, that I had trouble with. It was, you know, something that, that came quite naturally. And I think you, when, you, when you're writing, I think a few people maybe thought that I was doing too much Liverpool stuff or whatever it might be, and maybe should have done some other sports, maybe should have, have branched out and tried to, to broaden my horizons or whatever you want to call it in terms of, of that. But... For me, I just knew that I knew more about Liverpool than I knew about other teams. And basically, it just made sense for me to, to go down that path and, and try and, and lead myself into to that sort of role. So 
that sort of side of it and, and taking the bias out of it was never really an issue. It was more a case of, of just learning the job, to be honest. But the best way to, to learn any job is to, to go out and do it. And, you know, if you're prepared to, to put, you know, your opinions out there on, on Twitter or if you're prepared to, to go in and, and do some work for free or write a match report, you know, it might be dreadful, but you learn from it and you get better. And over time, you, you gradually sort of get used to it. And I suppose in terms of, of the bias thing, the only thing I would say now is that I can't watch a football match in the same way. It doesn't matter if it's a Liverpool game, if it's another match, I'll always be watching it and thinking, you know, what's the, what's the line? What would what would be my intro on that? What would I be asking the manager at the end of it? You sort of, you learn to, to do it. And I think it, it did come quite naturally, but at the same time, I think it would be very hard to reverse that process now and, and go back to purely watching it as a fan. I think that would be that would be borderline impossible, to be honest. <laughs> so I can imagine you probably come into the job at the perfect time then in terms of how successful Liverpool have been under Klopp. So, I mean, the obvious answer to this is, is it easier to write on Liverpool when they're winning? And I can imagine it is. It's a lot more easier for yourself. But does it almost become not, not boring to always preach about how great they are and you know they don't lose a game and obviously now you're finding that you're probably writing in a completely different way than you know, we were a couple of years ago when we were doing so well has that been a bit different for you as well yeah I've sort of had both extremes of it and I've not really had much in between to be honest I think <laughs> that at some point you'd hope that a sort of normal level of of success for Liverpool would, would happen I mean it's gone from from one extreme to the other in that regard but I think, yeah, it's easier in the sense that more people are are wanting to read stuff. You know, it's really easy if, if I write something and Liverpool have just won, um, yeah. you know, for the, the 20th game on the spin or if, if we're doing a podcast or whatever, you, you see, you know, more people are going to naturally take an interest in it because if you're praising the team rather than having to criticise it, it's much easier to watch. It's much, much nicer to read. So in that regard, it, it's easier. Um, but in terms of, of the actual content itself. I mean, you're right in terms of if, if Liverpool are winning every week, there's no real problems. There's nothing off the field that you need to worry about. There's no sort of transfers that they're absolutely desperate for. There's no criticism of, of the manager. There's there's nothing like that. You are sort of going every single week. It's, it's just, aren't Liverpool brilliant? I suppose that the reverse of that is happening now where pretty much everything has gone wrong. But it's the same every single game. You know, we've had a, a six, seven game um, sort of uh, since the, the turn of the year, the, the past couple of months, where it's just been the case of there's only so many times that you can go, well, oh, well, it's injuries, isn't it? Which it is injuries and it's still injuries and it will still be injuries for, for the rest of the season. But you have to find a, a new way of, of saying that. So it's it's almost the, the same in both extremes in that before it was always good, now it's always bad. And it's a case of, of well, can we go a little bit deeper than that? And can we find a new sort of explanation for, for these things? And, and quite often it, it, you are having to, to be a little bit more creative in terms of, of both extremes, whether it, whether it's good or bad, you have to, to find something new because you know, the, there's so many people saying things and writing things, particularly about Liverpool. It's you know very easy to, to get lost in that crowd, if you like. So I can imagine you've interviewed some fantastic individuals over the years. Have you got any personal favourites, ones that you really enjoyed doing? I think one of the, the first people, and it, it wasn't really an interview, it was someone I just bumped into at the academy, was Stephen Gerrard. 
Um, and that, you know, as a, a Liverpool fan, um, to, to sort of just sort of bump into him. And he was obviously polite. I was with a couple of other journalists and we just sort of stopped and had a quick, you know, 90 second chat. And, and that's all it was. It wasn't even an interview or, or something like that. But that was a, a moment for me that was was obviously something that, you know, throughout my childhood, he'd been the the absolute pinnacle. He was the the one that he wanted at, at some point. And you know, fingers crossed that at some point he can take his success from from Rangers to, to Liverpool and, and come back in, in the first team job because I think that would be would be amazing. In terms of, of actual interviews, there's probably the, the two big ones that that we've done since I've taken the job at, at Blood Red and, and the Echo has has been Jesse Marsh was was one of them and, and Billy Bean was the other one. So two sort of not directly linked to Liverpool names, but but very much sort of you know big names in their own field. So Jesse Marsh I'm fascinated by the the Red Bull model and, and all of that sort of thing. Obviously, taking charge of, of the New York Red Bulls and, and then moved to, to Salzburg. I'm pretty sure at some point he'll take a job in in Germany and probably end up in England as well. I thought, you know, he was was brilliant. Gave us some some brilliant stuff on Takumi Minamino. It had only been, I think, about two months, maybe not even that, between Minamino moving to to Liverpool and and that. Obviously, Liverpool had played Salzburg a couple of months before that as well. So. That was was an amazing one to to get you know a Champions League manager and, and to get him on the podcast for for an exclusive was was unbelievable and and Billy Bean probably a, a bigger name even than that in terms of of Moneyball the, the stuff that has happened since with with FSG and potential interest of of him coming on board at, at Liverpool that was was a brilliant one to have you know to to be able to to pick up the phone and, and just you know do a, a FaceTime chat with him was was brilliant and. You know, again, it's similar to, to the Red Bull thing for me. The, the sort of analytics and, and that side of thing has kicked off a, a huge amount over the last two or three years, and it's not something that that I'm a, a massive expert on. You know, we we have other podcasts that that go into that, that that I'm not involved in with with people who know that far more than I do. But it's something that I've always taken a, a keen interest in. So I think those are those are the two that I'm most proud of. Not just in terms of of the names but the fact that it was it was me who sort of reached out and, and got them got the exclusive turn stuff round off it that was uh it was two big things but yeah it's uh it's one of those it it went it, i suppose at this moment in time when you look back it, there's there's probably a few names that you think you know wow that that's amazing but you 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 just sort of you you just do your job and, and that that's that's my role that's that's what I'm in the company for so it, at the same time it's a bit like well you don't want to look back and go oh god wasn't that wasn't that amazing because you know at the end of the day that is my job but yeah those 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 two I would pick out and, and Stephen Gerrard was was just for obvious reasons an amazing one to, to sort of bump into when he was uh, was under 18s manager. So finally the podcast is centered around going the match so of every podcast we're doing I want to end by asking what are your top three favourite matches you've been to or seen? Oh, wow. Um, put me on the spot there, haven't you? <laughs> no so, um, I think there's a couple that, that stand out for me. Um, yep. let's, let's start with um, one that I was, was at was in 2013-14. I didn't go to to all of the, the games that season. I think I went to, to about seven or eight, but one of them that season was the 3-2 against Manchester City quite near the end. Um, and obviously, when you look back now, you think, well, Liverpool didn't win the league. We all know what happened, you know, a couple of games after that. But at that point, that was, you know, a, a game which everyone thought that if Liverpool won that and that the way that they won it, 
with the, the, the late goal from Coutinho that was you know right in front of, of where I was sat everyone thought at that moment that that, that was going to be it we we're going to win the league that season it was going to be going to be amazing so I think I'd, I'd put that in third obviously oh. if Liverpool had, had gone up and won the league that would have been even higher but that was that was an amazing one for me just touching on that 13-14 season just expanding on that a little bit and I always remember going to the game that we beat Sunderland on a, I think it was a midweek or I think it was a pub I think it was a Wednesday at eight o'clock and we won two one Gerard scored that free kick yeah Yanni Road and I always I suppose looking back at that 13-14 season now and when you see all the moments on Premier League years or whatever it may be I always try and block that season out as a Liverpool fan now because of the way it finished and I suppose I can only really look back at that season now, now that we have won the league properly. Are you kind of the same sort of element with that as well? I get where you're coming from, but for me, that that season, apart from the last three or four games, that was probably the most exciting season I can remember in terms yeah. of the goals, the the wins, the, what was it, 6-3 at Cardiff. There was a, uh, I think I was there for a 4-3 against Swansea. I think that was that season. Yeah. There was just so many of those moments. I was there for, for the Sunderland one as well, the, the Gerrard free kick at, at the end that, that won that one. There was just so many games that season. It was just, you know, so sort of mad in terms of, of the goals, but Liverpool obviously winning and, and being involved in that title race and, and that sort of thing, which in the end, it, it was a one-off. But at the time, it, it was just such a, a big wave to, to ride on. I think that's what that's what Liverpool Football Club's about, isn't it? It's about that emotion. It's about the the momentum. I think that's, you know, I look back at, at that season and obviously there's, there is that caveat of we all know what happened. It, it didn't end up that, that Liverpool won it, but that was that was an amazing season. I think, you know, the definitely. the Gerrard stuff, the the Suarez, Daniel Sturridge, one of the, the, well, definitely the best season of his career, the most consistent in terms of, of his quality. Just all over the pitch, you know, you, you look at, at the individuals and you wouldn't have thought that they'd be able to to put together a run like that. But it just, you know, it shows the power of momentum and the whole thing of, of Anfield and, and a run in. And once you get into that groove with Liverpool, that's that's what can happen. And I suppose it's it's easier to, to look back at that now. Like you say, obviously, Liverpool have, have won the league and this Liverpool team that we see now has taken you know, the, the levels of consistency, the goals, the clean sheets, all of that stuff, they've taken it to another level. There's no doubt about that. But at the time, I think in terms of, of the feelings and, and winning and all the, the drama and all of that stuff at the time, apart from the obvious bits at the end, that was that was an unbelievable season. So your second one? Um, second one, um, I... I'm trying to keep it to, to ones that I have attended, I think. I think, yeah, I'll keep it, I'll keep it to ones that I've attended. Yeah. I wasn't fortunate enough to go to, to the 4-0 Barcelona one. That was one that I didn't manage to, to see. But um, I will go with, in second place, there was a, yeah, the, the first leg, the Anfield leg of the quarterfinal against Manchester City. Um, I will go for that. 3-0, wasn't it, I think? Um, yeah which was, that was probably, apart from the Barcelona game, the, the big sort of atmosphere, the whole sort of build-up to it, and having not gone to, to the Barcelona game, that's the one for me where I was just like, this, yeah. is, this is off the scale in terms of you know, what it meant. There was a bit of a, a rivalry sort of probably brewing more from the Manchester City end than, than the Liverpool end, but it was, 
it was the the whole sort of magnitude of, of that occasion showing that, that Liverpool is is where it's at when it comes to, to the Champions League. Manchester City have, have been so consistent in the Premier League and we've seen that again this season, but that's something that they've not done. They've not gone and, yeah. and won the Champions League. That's that's something that you know only Liverpool, Manchester United, those sorts of teams do. That's not yet. I think it will be very, very soon, possibly even this season for Manchester City, but not yet. That's something that we've got over them. Yeah. Um, and for, for me to, to, to sort of have that moment, um, that atmosphere, the goals, the absolute best of, of Alex Oxlade-Chamberlain, again, it seems like such a, a long time ago now, but I think I'd, I'd pick out that one in terms of just knowing that, that Liverpool could still put on a show in Europe against a team which at the time was being hailed as as you know the, the best in the world, this, that, the other. There was a couple of, of moments where Manchester City probably should have scored, if we're all being honest. But you know, 3-0 to Liverpool on that occasion, on that stage, in front of, of the whole of Europe, being back at, at that level again for the first time, really, in God knows how long, probably, you know, since the, the sort of 2009, probably. 2010 something like that to, to be considered not just by Liverpool fans but by football generally to be at that level to be at, at, at the absolute pinnacle of, of European football I think that was was a big moment and that is that that's probably not one that, that many people would sort of look back and, and remember because it was a first leg rather than a second leg but I think you know just being there being part of, of that atmosphere that was that was absolutely incredible. And your final one? Yeah, uh, the final one. Um, I will go um, for last season's win against Manchester United at Anfield, which was, for most people, myself included, the moment where it just sort of felt like, yeah, we're going to win it. That was that was the moment where you thought, we're too far ahead now. You, even Liverpool can't mess this up. Even, I mean, I mean, COVID very nearly did for them, but... Um, at that moment, it, it just felt like the, the goals, the celebrations, you think of, of Alisson running the length of the pitch, all of all of the things that that you want. And th- th- there's been one or two other moments. I was there for, for the, the late ridiculous winner against Everton and, and things like that. But I think that the Manchester United one for me edges it because of, of the league. That was the, the moment where it, everyone, everyone dared to say it. The first time that the people had actually gone... Yeah, we are actually going to win the league. I think I'd said it privately before that. I thought Liverpool were in such a good position that, that they could go and do it. But that was the one where I think, you know, everyone, the wider football world had already started to say it, but Liverpool fans are very, very cautious or were very cautious at the time. But that was the moment where the celebrations started and, and you really thought, you know, they, they've, they've just shown... Again, again, I suppose it's about that comparison to the other top teams around Europe. It's about this. This wasn't just a game where Liverpool won it. They won it in such a way, and against a team like Manchester United, who are obviously not the Manchester United of old and, and all of that sort of thing. But it's still Manchester United. It's still the team that the Liverpool are chasing in terms of, of getting to the same or eclipsing the, the number of, of league titles. That was just a, a huge moment and a huge let off. And God, yeah after 12 months of, of not being inside full Anfield and, and full stadiums, gosh, you'd give anything for that, wouldn't you? I don't think there's a better way to finish the podcast and talking about being United to go on to win the league. So just before I let you go, mate, I just want to say a massive thank you for obviously giving up your time and coming on. I really do appreciate it. 
Yeah, not a problem, mate. Anytime. If you enjoyed that episode and want to keep notified for future episodes, please make sure you subscribe, follow and share. And of course, leave us a five-star rating. You can now follow us on Facebook, Instagram and Twitter, all at Go In The Match to keep updated for future episodes and updates on the podcast.